Incredible job. We appreciate you guys up there. Yeah, give them a hand. It's great worship. I want to just draw your attention uh, this morning to a verse in Scripture. And uh, Paul uh, is a guy who wrote a number of letters, as many of us would be aware. And those letters are then being inscripted in what we call the Bible today for all of everybody to read. Uh, Paul wrote original New Testament in what was the Hebrew, uh, sorry, yeah, uh, sorry, the Greek language in the New Testament. And they interpreted the Greek into English, and, uh, and there's been a number of um, Bible translations. Some of you use what they call the Old King James, New King James, and, you know, international version. I, I use uh, NIV, New King James version. But this morning, I want to read this verse from what's been a paraphrased version I called the Message, because I think it's in- applicable, and it says something, because the Message um, doesn't... It, it takes the principle and the meaning of the original uh, Greek language, and it just and it puts it in very modern-day um, English terminology. So I want to turn our attention just to one verse, 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5. And, um, and this is uh, what it says. It says this. Um, it says, test yourselves. Paul's speaking to a, a group of Christians in Corinth, and he says, test yourselves to make sure you are solid in the faith. Don't, don't drift along taking everything for granted. Give yourselves regular checkups. You need first-hand evidence, not mere hearsay, that Jesus Christ is in you. Test it out. If you fail the test, do something about it. I want to draw your attention to a, a, little, a couple of um, words there that um, the message puts it this way. It says, um, uh, don't take everything for granted. That's a, that's a little phrase that we've all coined, and it's interesting, that phrase, it, it, don't take things for granted. Maybe you've said that to someone, or someone said that to you. Don't take, don't take it for granted. And, and I was just looking at the, the history of that phrase, and in the 1300s, there was a word called grant, which was coined, and the word grant is in the, uh, actually means, um, it, it means that... Um, to, to admit to, tr- to be true. In other words, someone might say um, something like this, um, um, I grant you that. In other words, what they're saying is, you're right on that point. I grant you that. You're right. You're right. I grant. So most of us would understand that. But in the 1600s, they then coined this phrase, don't take things for granted. And the, the words don't take things for granted is interesting because what it's saying is, it says, don't consider or don't assume something is true. Okay? I think we can grab that. Don't assume that something is true. Don't assume. Don't take it for granted. Don't take people for granted. Don't take the good things that are happening in your life for granted. Don't take, and and if I could drill down a little bit, don't take God for granted. Don't take him for granted. And you might say, because the truth is God never takes us for granted. I think God wakes up every day and explores the reality that he cares and loves us. I don't think he takes us for granted. Uh, He knows that we're capable of incredibly good things and then some incredibly bad things, but he still loves us. God's got it. He doesn't take us for granted, so we shouldn't take him for granted. I I, I found that we can actually find it easier uh, to take for granted how life is going to unfold sometimes. And and, and what we can do is um, and and just think, well, this is how life will happen. I'm sure this is how it'll happen. It's happened like this before. It'll happen like that in the future. Um, and, and it's easier to take things for granted than to actually trust God sometimes. Because trusting God 
can be sometimes an element of, of you've got to work at it. You've got to put some effort in to trust him because when you're in the midst of something that's not going so well in life and you've got to trust him, well, you know, it takes effort to do that. And you've got to, you know, you've actually got to connect with God, maybe even talk to him. You'll read his word, you know, and and to trust him. But it's easier sometimes to say, oh, no, life will unfold. It'll be right. But no, no, when we come to those points when life isn't right, we've got to make a decision. Are we just going to continue to take life for granted? Or are we going to actually let God be a part of it and trust him? You see, better people than me today who have loved God and served him diligently and then been, become disengaged from God or they've been disillusioned because they think God hasn't helped them in the difficult time. Or maybe in their hearts they're bitter towards God because well, God just didn't come through when I thought he should come through. Why? Because we assumed or we took some things for granted and this is how it should happen. And yet it didn't happen that way. If there was ever a young man in Old Testament parts of the Bible that probably should have had that attitude, it was the guy called David who killed Goliath. Remember? With the slingshot and the stone. And, and, and David, you know, he was brought into the king's courts at a very early age, into Saul. Who became his father-in-law because he married Saul's daughter. And, and David, you could say his life was going really well. But then Saul got jealous of David because David was doing some pretty good, amazing things. And so his son-in-law became someone who he wanted dead. And so he chased him, as you probably know, David, for many years through the wilderness through caves and blah, blah, all the rest of it. And so David's life went from serving King Saul to becoming um, a person literally who was a vagabond and a person who was, um, who was a refugee in his own country and chased and, and everything else was happening. And yet eventually David's life, when Saul died, David then was, uh, became king of Judah and then eventually king of Israel and for many, many, many decades become one of the greatest kings of that nation. So it all happened well in the end. So, but David had every right to think to take life for granted when he first came into the palace and think, this is how life's going to be. This is incredible. I'm marrying the king's daughter. I'm, I'm, I'm his favorite. It didn't happen that way, did it? And we find that David, uh, sometime in his life, wrote many, many of these thoughts down into songs. And in, Psalm, in 2 Samuel, Chapter 22, 22, it says here, in, um, David said, Indeed, I've kept alert to God's ways. This is, the, this is the message Bible again. I've kept alert to God's ways. I have taken, I have, sorry, I haven't taken God for what? Granted. I've kept alert to how God operates. And he doesn't always operate the way that I think he's going to operate. And as I've discovered, he's saying, as I've discovered, I'm always never going to take God for granted. I'm never going to assume. I'm never going to say, well, this is how God's going to do this. Because God doesn't always do what you think he should do. And, you know, and if we're not open and um, you know, in our hearts responsive to God, but we get bitter and upset because God should do it my way, then you'll find that we can be sometimes just say, well, see you later, God. I'm out of here and I don't want any part of you. And there's many precious people are like that. And I don't want that to happen to you. I don't want us to be like that. 
So can we take a story from the New Testament part, the original Greek, and let's look at this story because it, it just shares some incredible principles of how this relationship with God needs to go down, okay? And I want to draw my, um, my context today from Luke chapter 1 and Luke chapter 2. Uh, those two chapters embody some characters that had an incredible story. And how it unfolded was, was there was a guy called John the Baptist who was born in this period of time. And he was born to a lady called Elizabeth, who had a husband called Zachariah. And Zachariah and Elizabeth uh, were past the age of childbearing, and yet Elizabeth fell pregnant. She had John the Baptist. And then there's another character comes into the story, a young girl. I'm talking early teens, probably. And she, uh, of course, falls pregnant as well at, at much the same time, six months after Elizabeth, and she gives birth eventually to the Messiah, to Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And so this story, how it unfolds, is in, has incredible insight in how God wants to help us and work through our lives and, and move in our hearts and lives. And I want to just draw that to your attention because I think it's invaluable principles of how not to get twisted in the Christian life and how to get bent out of shape and say, oh, God, you're not here for me because I think God's always there for you. He'll never leave you nor forsake you. So the first thing I think we can take for granted for God sometimes is we expect or we can think God will do things like I would do them. You see, if, if I just give you a little bit of history quickly, just listen. in Matthew 3, 1, we see that Jesus has been called the King of the Jews. In, in, in Micah, it was prophesied about Jesus as well. That, that this son would be born, he'll be, he'll, in Micah 5.2 it says he would become a ruler. In Isaiah 9.7 it talked about Jesus who would sit upon the throne of David. So the Jewish people had this understanding that there was a promise that had been given from time of old that there would come a king out of Israel and he would be a Jew and he would, he would come and rule and reign. But you've got to appreciate what the Jewish people probably thought at that time. And I'm leading somewhere with this. But you can understand the expectation of the Jewish people would be because we know what kings are like. They live in power and they have thrones and they rule and reign and they've got great armies and, and if any king is brought, you know, he'd be herald and the trumpets would sound and everybody get excited, there's a new king coming. But that wasn't the case. And the reality was the Jews were living under the tyranny of the Roman Empire and the Romans would be quite cruel to the Jewish people sometimes. And, and so they, they thought, this promise, of course, we're going to get a king and he's going to overthrow the Romans. We're going to set up a Jewish kingdom and it's going to be amazing and it's going to be great. And they had all these expectations. And then John the Baptist comes along and we see John the Baptist is given the commission to prepare the way for the king to be introduced to the people of Israel. And, you know, they've got to think about it, but he's the most unlikely character to, to herald in the king of, uh, of Israel because the truth was... He, was, uh, he lived in the desert in a barren place. And if you were a king, you wouldn't you know, be commissioned by a man who lived in the desert. You would be commissioned by someone blowing a trumpet in the halls of power in the, Rome, you know, in the palace. And you'd have a throne and all that type of stuff. But John the Baptist wasn't that kind of herald. He was the most unlikely character to, to herald a king to come into the nation of Israel. He, he, um, 
He preached in the wilderness. He announced, he announced the arrival of Jesus, not in a palace, but out in the desert. And to make it seem all the more wrong, John not only lived in the desert, but he looked like a hermit. He was dressed in camel hair and had a leather belt, and he ate ho- uh, hocust. Um, he ate hocust and honey. <laughs> hocust and lunny. You know what I mean. So this guy was not, he was, he was not the kind of person, and we can look at that and, uh, and say, that's not how it should happen. The Jewish people must have been thinking, that's not how it should happen. We've been promised from, from, the, the, from centuries ago that we would have a king. And yet John the Baptist is the forerunner, this hermit, long hair, leather belt, wears camel hair. How could he see... see it was, it was a mistake for the Jewish people to think that God would do the things how they would do them. It was a mistake for them to think that's how, well, God should do it this way. It should be like King David who sat on a throne. See, we can take it for granted that if God is going to do something, then he would surely do it like I would expect. And as a result, we've got to be careful we don't become so disappointed because God didn't do it like I would do it. Because if I run the universe, I would do things a lot different than the way God would do. And look, there's a natural tendency for us to th- all to think that way. There's a natural tendency for us to always think, you know. But here's the point. If we, if we think God should do it the way that I would do it, are you going to miss what God has got for you? Because I think people have. I, I, I think, I wonder if you've ever sat back and missed the work of God in your life because you thought, that's not how I would do it. That's not how I would do it. You see, God doesn't work according to how you would do it. God works according to what's best for you and I and everybody else. And we don't sometimes and sometimes. So we've got to be, so we've got to be like David and say, I'm not going to take God or assume and take God for granted here. I need to be aware of his ways. And uh, I always remember at the age of 20, after church on a Sunday night, there was a whole group of young adults, like these bunch of wonderful young adults here. And we went to a place for supper. And um, I know some of you know the story, but for the sake of the point, it's important that you grab this. And, um, and, and uh, so we all went to this place for supper. And in this house lived the Christian girl, uh, who was um, who came to church here, and then she lived with a non-Christian girl, because they both worked in the same place. And so we're all there, kind of eating and talking. And the, the non-Christian girl ha- had hidden herself in a room because she didn't know any of us. And so she's uh, she did actually she did actually come from her cocoon for a fleeting moment to the kitchen. I don't know what for. I think it was for drink of water or something. And, and she came out to the kitchen and then she walked back. Um, you know, I happened to turn that way at that moment. And I was two things struck me that I remember as clear as day because it was, in hindsight, it was an incredible moment. Um, but first thing I remember, well, that girl's incredibly beautiful. <laughs> second point, second point. I had this is this is this is true as it came into my mind into my conscience come this statement that's the, that's the girl you could marry and within seconds later I said get behind me Satan <laughs> I didn't but I thought how could she's not even a Christian 
Where did that, oh, get that thought out of my, that's literally how I, get that thought out of my mind. She doesn't even know Jesus. How could I marry a girl, that girl? Anyway, to cut a long story short, two years later, we walked down that aisle and I married her right here. Now, I want to say this. All the thoughts I had were this. I'm expecting that the girl I marry will have this incredible Christian family. Her dad's a pastor. Her mother's a pastor. And she'll be so mature in the Lord. And we're just going to have amazing kids. And we did. But anyway, that's besides the point. Um, but, um, you know, she's going to just be so incredible. I did think, you know, physically she was incredible. But I just thought, no, just... You know, God. And I had all this expectation. And you know what? I nearly missed my wedding day. Not literally, but I nearly missed marrying the girl that I believe that God, two years earlier, had spoken into my heart. In hindsight now, it was, you know, the Holy Spirit speaks to your conscience sometimes. And you just, it, look, I want to be honest, it didn't happen too many times in my life, those type of thoughts. But when it did, uh, the couple times it has, I thought, Father, you, you, you obviously wanted to get my attention because I was a, a bit of a naive 20-year-old who was just like, I'm looking for the lady who's going to be perfect in every way. And Michelle was in the end because within that time that I had that thought in, that, in her unit, up in the pines there into the time I married her, she came, had an incredible encounter with God right here at the front here, came to the Lord Jesus, filled with the Holy Spirit. This amazing thing happened in her life. And uh, within, uh, of course, two years later, we married. And, and finally, she saw me and realized that I was just, yeah, yeah, all that. And so, uh, and so we got married. But I want to say sometimes this, there's a phrase that goes like this, God works in mysterious ways. And sometimes we get so locked in, well, if God doesn't do it my way, I'm not doing it. And I tell you what, you'll miss. You can miss what God's doing. So we just got to be open and receptive to how he operates. See, John the Baptist wasn't people's choice. He wouldn't have won any people's choice awards, folks, but he won God's choice. He got God's choice and hopefully not too many missed out on what God was doing because that's, they thought God can't use a person like that. I think a lot of precious people called Pharisees missed out on what God was doing because they thought he can't use a John the Baptist to herald in the king. This is ridiculous because they knew the Old Testament verses as well. And Micah said that there will be a king who will sit on the throne of David. They knew that what Isaiah said. Everybody knew the promise of a, of a coming king. But they couldn't see the John the Baptist as the herald, and they certainly couldn't see Jesus as that person. So we've got to be careful. I just want us to open our hearts and minds to the reality that God works different to how I think he should work. And if there's any attitudes or thoughts that you have today that you're locked into, I'm, you know, I'm not saying they're bad thoughts. My thought was a good thought. Marry a Christian girl who's got a Christian family and loves God and all mature and everything's in a neat little package and it'll be fantastic. Now, there's nothing wrong with that thought. In actual fact, every young person needs to be thinking about that. But the reality is, it's amazing what can happen in, in, if you just allow it change. I changed. As I realized, God can, I could actually marry this girl who's only kind of like a year and a half in God eventually. She didn't, didn't take too many months that she came to the Lord, actually, and bang, had this encounter. And I could see the qualities, and I thought, God, what just, you know, was that you at the, I thought it was the devil, but maybe it was you speaking to me back there in that unit. 
Anyway, here's the second thing. We can take for granted that God will do things in my timing. Oh, this is a biggie. We, we, we think God's going to operate in my time slot. As, as if God needed to look at my diary to work out how the week's going to unfold. I mean, I've got things locked in for this week, but you know, you know, I find that I continually need to have margins because I have a God who doesn't work to my time limits because he knows he's, he's an infinite God and I'm a finite person. And he infinitely knows the best timing for everything. Hey, could you actually trust a God like that? You can. Even, yeah. You think of John's birth. <laughs> Luke chapter 1, verse 7, Zachariah and Elizabeth were the parents of John. As you know, they had a heartache, and the heartache was this, that they kept to themselves. Elizabeth was barren. She'd been barren all her young years of married life. Couldn't have children. And I mean, she couldn't have children. And, and, you know, and to add to that, she's now in her senior years beyond the ability to have children. Menopause had come and gone, folks. And so no more children was had in a natural way, okay? So childbearing was beyond them. So two situations, natural circumstance, worked against them to have children. But an angel turns up and says to Zechariah and Elizabeth, you'll have a child. Talk about bad. You know, Zechariah and Elizabeth could have said, could have said to Gabriel, or Zechariah could have said, bad timing, Gabe. Why didn't you do that when I was just 25 and not when I'm 50, you know, 75, 40 years? What about, why couldn't you do that? Bad timing. Would you agree? Bad timing. When we were young, had, you know, youthfulness and vigor and we could run around with this little boy we're going to have. Um, you know, how come God doesn't look at, as I said, you know, looks at what we think we should do and the timing we should have? I discovered that God does what he wants in his time. And if we're willing, we've got to submit to that. And what he does, he asks us to trust him. He asks us to trust him. See, Proverbs chapter 3, 5, and 6 says, Lean not unto your own understanding. Please understand, it doesn't say discard your understanding. Some of us can think, oh, we just don't need... No, no, you need understanding. Get understanding. That's what, you need understanding from the Bible. It's just saying don't lean upon your understanding. And when we, we have to realize that we need to be humble enough to realize that we're finite. He's infinite. He knows the beginning from the end. And so we can trust in an infinite God. While we have a finite understanding of our present circumstances, he can see the big picture. And he has the big picture and that's what we need to trust him in and the timing or we want and he wants might not always match up but that's okay we've got to just that's the trust thing and it is a mistake to assume that God will do things the way that I would do them and do them in the time that I want them and we've got to be careful of that his timing is not our timing and you know it says in that verse it says um it says goes on to say that um uh, trust in the Lord, and then in verse 6 it says, in, in all your ways, submit to him, or acknowledge him, submit to him. And I ask the question, when do we need to submit to God? This is when we need to submit to God, when his timing is not your timing. Because it's easy to submit to God when everything's going really nice, and it's all happy and roses and everything's going well, but when the timing is, and, and God says, no, it's not going to happen right now, or it's not, and you think, God, what, why don't you do it now? And that's when the, this verse comes in, submit to God. That's when we have to do it. And submission is simply saying, God, um, you must have better perspective than I do, and you must have more knowledge than I do. Uh, 
that's a given, isn't it? So I submit to you. I mean, he is God, and I believe you're going to make my path straight. So I'm going to trust you. The story of John the Baptist was perfectly timed. You think about this, of what God wanted to happen at that period in history. Perfectly timed. Think about this. Elizabeth had John six months before Mary. Um, Elizabeth, um, sorry. Yeah, she had John six months, and then Mary six months. Six months later, had had Jesus. And so the point is, Mary was a young woman, a single woman. Elizabeth was an old lady. But the conception of their children and their birth of their children was perfect in God's timing. Because I think, don't you think Mary needed a friend right then in her life? Don't you think that Mary needed to go? Because it says in Scripture, Mary went to Elizabeth and she was six months pregnant. And they connected and they, they were cousins and they communicated. Don't you think a young lady who's pregnant has no husband, has never been with a man, what society would think of her? She's either immoral or just crazy. And she found a, she found a companion in Elizabeth. And here's the point. I think God needed Elizabeth to wait till she was old so that Mary is old enough to have a baby. What timing. See, Mary was a young mother who didn't have many friends, but she found a friend and a comrade in, a, in Elizabeth. Can you see that God doesn't work in your time schedule, folks? But he doesn't work. As I've said, he's seldom early because I always think that he should be now, but he's never Late. And the frustration between the times that we think God should, should happen now and when he does happen is the time in that period is where you grow if you trust in him. But if you, if you discredit that God doesn't care for me or God's not interested in me, if you discredit that, that, time, that time between when you think it should happen and when it does actually happen, if you discredit that, you'll never learn. Don't make the mistake of that. But in that time is this incredible thing called trust. And you learn that God is a capable God and he knows what's best for your life. You see, the scripture says in, in this Old Testament book called Ecclesiastes, chapter 311, God will make everything beautiful in its time. Can we trust him? I think we can. Let me finish with this. Don't assume that God will speak through a medium from which you approve. No, I'm not talking about a medium as in a fortune teller. I'm just talking about God can use different things to speak to you. Are we all on the same page? Okay. God will bring wisdom to your life from places you never expected it to come from. And God uses circumstances to teach you lessons that otherwise you would never have learned, but through the circumstances that, you un that unfold. And don't assume or don't take God for granted that he'll speak through something that you approve of. Okay. Think about John. John the Baptist. Um, they were confused about John the Baptist. In John chapter 1, verse 20 and 21, um, they came and asked John the Baptist, Are you the Christ? He says, No, I'm not the Christ. And then he said, uh, and he said They said, Are you Elijah? He says, No, I'm not Elijah. He says, Are you a prophet? He says, No, I'm not a prophet. See, they didn't expect the forerunner to Jesus to be John the Baptist or expecting some prominent person, not a desert dweller. You, you know the story. He was an unlikely medium for God to speak through, but God used John to proclaim an important message. And see, I've come to an understanding that some of the most difficult situations in my life have been mediums or things through which God has spoken to my heart, and I've just had to humble myself and learn from what is happening because I don't like the pressure or the struggle, the issue. And God didn't do it to me, but he uses it to be able to 
bring this incredible understanding and principle out in my life to bring forth something beautiful in its time. I draw from another story, but and some of you know it, but I draw it for the fact that it just encapsulates this thought so well. So Michelle and I did get married before we had children. Okay, just so you know. I didn't think you didn't know that or didn't doubt it, but I'm just because it, it, when we were four years into our marriage, she, Michelle falls pregnant. Some of us know, of course, uh, a gynecologist looked at us over his office desk in his surgery, and he says, your trial, one in 70 chance of being um, dysfunctioned in some way. And he rattled off three things, and to this day, I've only remembered two, spina bifida or Down syndrome. And then he said, just as a matter of fact, you can, you can abort the child. I'm happy to do that, no problem. Shock. So Michelle and I go home, and in the midst of it, we resolved in our hearts, there was an incredible amount, that was, uh, there was an amount of grief and pain in that. Thinking, first child, and then all the thoughts flood into your mind. Is this the way that it's going to happen with every child we have? Is, is this what our future is? And so we cried out to God, um, cried first and then cried out to God. And we resolved in our hearts, of course, that we'd have a child no matter what the child was like. We got to the point, it drew us into a relationship with God that was so deeper than we'd ever experienced. And we, as we were drawn into this relationship with God, we came to the point of saying, God, whether we have a beautiful, uh, uh, we'll have a beautiful child no matter what, whether we have a dysfunction child or not a dysfunction, we don't care. We're going to have a child. And so that was never the issue now. The issue, that was off the table. The issue was what God was doing in our hearts and the way he was drawing us. And through this pain in this situation, he drew us to himself that for the last 28 years of just being and serving God full time, it has been something we've always, I've always come back to and said, God, I can trust you back there. I can trust you today. If you brought me through that, you can bring me through today. I tell you what, God taught us something about intimacy with him in those times of the pain. And it's a medium that sometimes in the difficult and the struggle and the mediums of those, we don't think that's how God could speak to you or God could use but I want to tell you folks he does no one thought John the Baptist was anything that could ever be a part of what God wanted to do on earth but he was everybody discredited him don't discredit what you face in life because God can speak through those situations sometimes in actual fact I'll say some of you are probably facing things right now and I want you to know that if you'll just tune your ears in maybe God will help you see something incredibly powerful that'll hold you strong and fast like a pillar for your future but that's what you've got to learn. God, don't take for granted. God, I'll only speak to me through things that I approve. God, I approve your word. God, I approve, um, I approve you know, um, prayer. I often, and I look to some of my elders and what they say to me, I approve that. But God, don't use situations to teach me anything because situations are of the devil, and they might be. But I tell you what, God can turn all things around for good to those who love God. All things can work together for good, can't they? Do you believe it? Not all things are good, but all things can work together for good. And if we don't submit and just trust him, uh, you know, you can just get all screwed up and all twisted and say, well, see you later, God. Up you and I'm out of here. Do you know what I mean? I pray don't, don't do that. Can I have the musicians come? Because I'm going to leave the last one for another day. But I'll give you the title. Don't assume God's plans will be straightforward. <laughs> 
Do you know, I'll give you this as, as, as they come. Do you know it says in Scripture, the steps of a good man or a good woman are ordered by the Lord? Did you know, just quickly, when Zechariah got the message from Gabriel, from the angel Gabriel, to go, they're going to have a child, your wife's going to have a child. Do you know what it says in Luke chapter 1, verse 23? After Zechariah had finished his duty in the temple as a priest, it says he went home. A good thing to do if you want your wife to fall pregnant. Verse 24, it says, Elizabeth fell pregnant. Did you know that often God will use the interplay of, of his miraculous power, but our obedience in, to him to work together for good? He'll use the interplay of both human effort and godly miraculous power to see about your purpose fulfilled. And, and we can see Zechariah, he had to go home for Elizabeth, why couldn't God do what he's going to do in Mary and just a miraculous conception with no man involved? No, no, no. For Elizabeth and John, it had to be this way because God had the best plan. So John went home, Elizabeth fell pregnant. And it was a miracle in itself. They're both old. So we see God uses the interplay of both human obedience to him and his miraculous power. And sometimes we say, well, God, what we take for granted is, God, you can just do it. You just do it. That's the easy way out because we're never involved. There's no effort on our part. But it says the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. And sometimes we can say, God, you get everything in my life ordered and then I'll take some steps. But God says, no, that's not how it works. I don't order everything so you can take steps. I order your steps as you take them. So you've got to step out. You've got to work. There's some things you have to do. There's sometimes you need to pray. That would be a good thing. Just to talk to God, to actually come before Him, just in a, and pray and talk to Him. As you take some steps, He orders your way. You say, I don't know. I can't see the future. Well, just take some steps, and He'll show you the next step. Why don't you just pray and he'll show you the next step? Why don't you just be obedient to his word? He'll show you the next step. It's the interplay. No, no, God, you just do it. I'll just sit back. I'll wait for you to do it. Nothing will happen, folks. God, wait. God cannot direct. You can't. It's very difficult to push a car by yourself when it stands still. But when a car has got a roll on, you could push it all day. It's, it's called momentum. And you've got to have some momentum in your life for God to continually show you the next step to go. And you need to be obedient to him. That's the point in a nutshell. I think God's trying to say something. So don't assume that God will do things like you would do things. Don't assume God will do things in my timing. Don't take for granted that God will speak through something that I approve of. And don't think God's plans will be straightforward. Can we stand this morning as we take this last moment and close our service? Where you're at today, what's happening today? What's happening this week? Is there some situation that just is, is, is a moment of grief, there's a moment of pain, would you, would you take the time to say, Father, what are you saying to me through this? What, what, what are you doing? Draw near to him and he'll draw near to you. Maybe 
You're a bit upset because the timing of things doesn't seem to be what you wanted it to be. Can you just trust God with the timing? It doesn't seem to be that God's, um, you know, um, God's not doing the things that you wanted Him to do. Would you just trust Him today? Would you just lift your levels of trust? Say, Father, I could, I come to you. That's what I'm going to ask today. I want to just pray. Can we just pray together, Heavenly Father, today? Just come before you and we all stand in the same boat together. Not one of us are better than the other in this whole issue. Father, but we do come and present ourselves. And I pray, make this your prayer as well. But we do come and we say, Father, we need you. We, we need to, we just, we, we need new levels of trust in you. And it's not fun sometimes, it's the heart, it takes work. God, because we can't see the future, but I'm glad that you can. So today we would present ourselves before you and we say, Father, help us to just trust you. Help us, Lord, to, to, to not get up messed up in our minds, God, about everything that doesn't happen in my time and the way that it should happen if I was doing it and, and, and you working through things that I don't think that are that exciting. God, help me just to be able to embrace that and let you work in my life, our lives, Father. Father, we do again today commit our lives afresh to you and say, Father, we need you, Holy Spirit. This is what this whole service has been about, to connect with you and invite you into our lives. And we need you today in Jesus' name. Because I need you more than sometimes I need my own thoughts. Even though my thoughts can be yours, Help them to be your thoughts, Lord. And help me to stay close to you. Because when I do, then I do think your thoughts. Father, we commit ourselves to you in Jesus' name. Amen? Come on.